Hey, this is Pastor Bob Stephen, lead pastor at Pursuit Church SA, and this is our podcast. Listen, would you take a minute to share and subscribe to this podcast? Also, we would love to connect with you, so please visit us at PursuitChurchSA.com or on any of our social media pages. Now, here's this week's message. We hope it blesses your life. Well, good morning and welcome. Welcome to church, man. Welcome to Pursuit Church. If any of you are new or newer, we welcome you. This is a safe place for you. We love you. Uh, we're glad you're here in God's house today. You know, we've been in a, a sermon series called Jesus Never Said That. Jesus Never Said That. In fact, today is the final uh, installation, the final sermon in the series. Um, and what we've been looking at in this series is phrases, words that we hear that we might think, yeah, did Jesus really say that or could he have said that? And we're also looking at them because on the surface, they kind of seem to make sense. They're maybe even logical. They, yeah, that sounds right. But here's the problem. Just because something sounds good doesn't mean it's true. Wait, let me say that again. Just because something sounds good doesn't mean it's true. And, you know, as I was thinking about this series, I think what it's helped me to do is kind of clarify some things, clarify my thinking, clarify what really is true and what really is fiction sometimes. That's, that's what it's helped me do. I, I hope you've gotten some things out of this series. And I hope today what we're going to talk about helps clarify some of your thinking. You know, in week one, we talked about the phrase, follow your heart, follow your heart. What we discovered is that that's probably not a good idea because Jesus, first of all, didn't say that, but actually he said something really kind of contrary to that. He said, follow me. Don't follow your heart. See, that's what Jesus really said. Okay. And we kind of, we kind of looked at that. And then in the, the next week we said, we looked at the phrase, do what makes you happy, right? Very, very popular phrase we hear out there in the world. And what we learned is that happiness really isn't the highest priority Jesus has for us. It's something called joy. We looked at the fact that joy is way better than happiness. And it's better because happiness is just temporary. It's situational. Joy is foundational. That's why we said joy is foundational. And it's the joy of the Lord that is our strength. Nowhere in the Bible does it say the happiness of the Lord is your strength. And yet it says the joy of the Lord is. That's why joy is better than happiness. And then last week, we looked at the phrase, three strikes, you're out. And what we were kind of looking at there was a mindset that maybe, first of all, we might treat other people that way, right? We might, we might have a three-strike rule in, in this kind of unforgiveness or, or no second chances. But we also kind of tackled the idea that, does God think that way about us, right? Are, do we ever run out of chances with God? And what we learned is, thank God we don't. <laughs> thank God we don't. We learned that God's mercy is new every morning is what it says in Lamentations, and that God gives us as many chances as we need to truly surrender our lives to him, and that that's the purpose of the chance. We talked about doing something with the chance when you get it. 
So as I finish out the series today, I want to tackle one more phrase that we hear a lot. And this one, so I was thinking about it. This one sounds really, if you, if you listen to it, it actually sounds the most encouraging of any of the phrases that we have talked about. It, it sounds so good on the surface. It really does. And this is it. You've got this. Anybody hear that? I mean, I, I guarantee you, you've said that to somebody. I guarantee you somebody has said that to you. Okay, as sure as you're sitting here, you got this, man. What's wrong with that? It sounds so good. It sounds encouraging, right? In fact, it even sounds like something Jesus might have said, right? Here's the problem. Jesus never said that. Let me show you what Jesus actually did say. It's found in John chapter 15, verse 5. This is what Jesus really said. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Let's break that down. It means no thing apart from me. That's a little different than you got this, isn't it? Jesus is telling us, actually, we really can't do anything apart from him. And guess what? You weren't designed to do anything apart from him. It's okay. That's actually the way you were made. It's the way I was made. We weren't made to do this life alone. We weren't made to have it. We were made to receive it. And Jesus is the one who gives it from the very life that you were given. You couldn't do that on your own. Jesus gave you that life. Everything that you and I have, everything that we have is as a direct result of Jesus giving it to us. So when you hear you've got this, as good as it sounds, remember, no, you don't. Not without Jesus, you don't. Not without Jesus, you don't. You see, our culture has fallen into a mentality, a self-sufficiency mentality that says, oh, it's my talent, it's my ability, it's my skills, and my education, that's what's going to get me through life. But you ever hear that? Anywhere feel that sometimes? It's all about me. I mean, I got all I need. My money, whatever you want to put in there. I got this. Well, that's a dangerous way to think. It's a dangerous way to think. Here's why it's dangerous. One of the reasons is because, as we all know, everything in this life is limited. At some point, your money's going to run out. At some point, your time is going to run out. At some point, everything you think you have is going to run out. And it doesn't take too long to realize that your own strength eventually is going to run out. Do you see why Jesus never said you've got this? Very good reason. You see, Jesus knew that we were going to need him every day. And just saying, run to the father. We, he knew we were going to need him in every part of our life, period. And that's why Jesus didn't mince words in John fifteen five. He said, apart from me, you, you can't do anything. It's not possible because you weren't designed to do it without me. That's what he's saying. 
I want to illustrate two very important times that, that just make this point today of the sermon that we need Jesus. Two different times when it's so evident that we need Jesus, that we can't do it on our own. The first is we need Jesus in times of trouble. Does anyone here not need Jesus in a time of trouble? <laughs> Come on. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33. And said, he said, in me, you will have peace. In the world, you will have what? Trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Come on. You haven't overcome the world. I haven't overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. But here's the thing. If we're being honest, when something hard hits us, when trouble comes, what's often the first thing we do? We start trying to fix it, right? We start trying to worry and wonder, what should I do? How should I do it? You know, well, that, that is kind of typical human behavior, right? But here's what I want you to understand. Jesus is actually all we really need because he is actually the true source of real help in your situation. When you have trouble, Jesus has the answers that you need. Okay. But it starts with what he said, remaining in me. Another word that's used in scripture is abiding, but let's, I want to focus on the word remaining. Remaining means don't leave. Remaining means don't leave. When trouble comes, don't leave Jesus. Run to him. When trouble comes, don't leave him. Remain in him. That's why Jesus said, if you remain in me, man, the fruit in your life is going to be awesome. That's what he said. That's what he said. If you remain in me, you're going to have a fruitful life. I got to believe the opposite may be true. If you don't remain in him, you may have a barren life. And I'm just, I'm just saying it right now. I'm saying it right now. If you want a full, rich, abundant life, full of life, remain in Jesus. Don't leave him because he will never leave you. Hear me. He will never leave you. Wow. So when trouble comes, it means Remaining him means we go and we run to his feet and we ask him, Jesus, help me. I need you in this situation. Call out to him. Pray to him. Ask him what you should do. Don't go to Facebook. Don't go to your best friend. Go to Jesus first. Jesus, man, I've heard this so, come on. I've heard this so often and I'm sorry to admit I've done this in my own life. Jesus sometimes becomes a last resort instead of the first response. Come on, man. Jesus needs to be our first response when trouble comes. And what does he say he's going to do? He's going to provide us what? First of all, peace. Can anyone here use peace when you are in the middle of your troubles? You can count on his peace. Jesus said he, you can have it. And he will give it to you. Isaiah, God's, remember, one of the names of God is he's a God of peace. So God's always been a God of peace. Isaiah expressed this in chapter 26, verse 3, when he said, God keeps us in perfect peace when we keep our minds fixed on him. Jesus' version of that, when you remain in me, you're going to have peace. 
That's a perfect piece. Wow. When trouble comes, when your trouble comes, take it to Jesus. You know, in the book of Hebrews chapter 4, we're told that Jesus has experienced everything that you have ever been through and will ever go through. It says specifically, we do not have a high priest who is not unfamiliar with our suffering, with our pain. There's nothing in, nothing, please hear me, nothing in your life that you have ever experienced or will ever experience that Jesus has not been through himself. Himself. Who better to give our troubles to than somebody who not only the scripture told us understands our troubles, but has what? Overcome those troubles. When you go to advice for somebody in the world, do you seek out someone who hasn't been where you want to go? If you do, you're getting foolish advice. If I, if, if I want to know how to run a successful business, I don't go to a guy or a person that's not understanding how to run a successful business. <laughs> if I want to overcome trouble, I'm going to go to Jesus. Jesus knows how to overcome trouble because he's already done it. And he can help you and I do it. That was part of the work that he went to the cross to accomplish. You see, Jesus died to make a way for us to have a relationship with God. But the beautiful thing is it didn't stop there. See, because in any relationship, there's some benefits that come with a relationship, right? That's true in our earthly relationships. Well, that's true in our relationship with Jesus. And one of the benefits that we get is that we have someone we can go to in a time of trouble. Right? We don't got this, but Jesus does. That's one of the benefits of being in relationship with him. Not only did he die for you and me, he wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to be there in our times of trouble. Listen, I know many of you in this room, and listening to the sound of my voice, are going through things right now in your life. Tough stuff. Hey, I'm going through some hard things myself right now. I get it. I understand exactly how you feel. But when we accept Jesus as our Savior, we get to lean on him in those troubled times. We get to go to him with what we're dealing with. And it says his peace will fall upon us. And and it's that place of peace that creates some margin, right? Because, you know, here's the thing. When things come at us, our natural instinct is kind of either fight or flight. Right. I mean, that's it. That's just a human reaction. Right. We either. OK, I'm going to fight this or I'm going to fight against it or I'm going to run from it. Right. That's that's kind of our normal response. Well, what peace allows us to do is have some margin so that we can process things. Right. So when we have the peace of Jesus in our trouble, we have a minute to stop and think, OK, wait a minute. Is this a chance for me to breathe, to actually kind of look at what's going on, to ask Jesus into the situation So he can give me some margin so he can actually, maybe if it's some trouble I've gotten myself into with my own sin, that I have a chance to repent, right? See, that peace gives us a place to process things. That's what the peace of Jesus can give us. The other thing that Jesus left us to help us in our trouble is the Holy Spirit. 
you know, the Holy Spirit's been in operation. He's part of the Godhead. He's Jesus, Holy Spirit, God, right? So it's not the Holy Spirit's new. He's, he's always existed, just, just to be clear. Okay, he's not, he's not something new that came just when Jesus came. In fact, Jesus himself relied upon the Holy Spirit on a number of occasions in his own life. But just to show you the Holy Spirit has actually all, always been in existence, let me tell you just briefly about an Old Testament. Sorry, this is before Jesus, right? There's a story in 2 Kings about the prophet Elisha. Elisha had an assistant with him. And Elisha and his assistant came upon some trouble. There was all this trouble around. But the problem is his assistant couldn't see it. Elisha could see it. Elisha knew exactly what was happening. He knew God could provide the help. But his assistant couldn't see it. And so here's what Elisha prayed. God, will you just open the eyes of my assistant? See, Elisha couldn't do that by himself. Elisha asked for God to do it. He asked for God in this case, the Holy Spirit, to open his assistant's eyes. And sure enough, his prayer was answered. God opened the eyes of the assistant so that now he could also see what was really going on. Did you know the Holy Spirit can give you new eyes? He can actually help you see things that you are unable to see. In your time of trouble, I don't know about you, I need some fresh eyes in my times of trouble. I need a, a new perspective. I need, I need a new way of looking at things. That's what Jesus can give us through the power of the Holy Spirit. He can give us a new perspective. You know, maybe you're facing a financial situation, right? So your first thought is, well, I need to make more money, so I guess I'm just going to go get another job or a different job or, you know, somehow, you know, work three jobs or whatever. Okay, so that's the, that's the solution you come up with to I need more money. I don't have enough money. Well, so then you go ahead and get the job, right, or the second job or the third, whatever that looks like. And now all of a sudden, can't come to church anymore. All of a sudden, uh, that job turns into a lot more than what you expected and now you don't have as much time for the things of God. All of a sudden, you're, you've traded one set of stress for another. You've attempted to enact a solution without involving Jesus at all. You're just saying, this is what I think I need to do. And by the way, I, you know, I'm not standing here to tell you these things. I, I made many, many, many years ago, I made a decision based just on that. Out of money, out of job is one of the worst decisions I ever made. I'm telling you right now, it's one of the worst decisions I ever made. It brought me heartache. It brought me trouble. It's because I didn't get Jesus involved. Now, Jesus says he works all things for our good. Thank you, Jesus, that he did. Thank you, Jesus, that he did. A lot of good things happened after that. But I'm telling you, there was some hell to pay during a lot of that time. I'm just keeping it real. Be careful about trading, uh, you know, for, for a, a solution that you come up with for a solution that Jesus will come up with a much better solution. So, you know, you, you've traded, you, you've said, I need money. You got this job. All of a sudden, these other pressures coming. Well, wait a minute. Maybe if you'd consider Jesus in the equation from the beginning, got his help, understood you didn't have it. Maybe Jesus would have showed you some other solutions like, hey, maybe you can cut your budget. Hey, maybe you can do this a little bit different. He, he, 
God is a creative God. You see, he has all of the answers to your problems. He has them. That doesn't mean he, oh, hear me now. It doesn't mean he solves all your problems for you. Please understand God's not genie in the bottle. He's not an ATM machine. Okay. But you want him in on your solutions in life. You want him involved in giving you direction on what to do. Sometimes I heard this preach one time, so I'm not going to say I invented it, but it was stuck with me. We want the finished product a lot of times when we pray, right? Just God, just make this happen, right? Well, I heard it one time said, sometimes God's going to give you an acorn instead of an oak tree. Think about that for a minute. His solution may not be just to, okay, here you go. He may give you a seed. He may give you a thought. He may give you an idea. He may give you an acorn that's eventually going to grow and become a beautiful oak tree. He may, not, he may not show up with an oak tree on your front lawn. Think about that. Think about that. See, we're praying for increase. We're saying, God, fix this trouble. Fix, 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 fix. Jesus is way more interested in fixing you than just your immediate problem. Come on. <laughs> Please understand. That doesn't mean Jesus isn't concerned about your problems. His word's clear. He's concerned about every part of your life. He knows every hair on your head. So he is concerned. It's not a matter. It's just he knows better than we do what we really need. You see, he knows better than we do what we really. Now, what we think we need, what we really need. And so when we have trouble and we come from a place of reaction, that's really a defensive way to approach something. Okay, I'm just going to react to it. What we want to be able to do is respond, right? And when we have Jesus, we can learn how to respond. Well, it beca- response becomes an offensive weapon for, for us, right? Because it's coming from a place of calculated peace. Like, I know if I have Jesus in this, involved in the solution, I know I'm going to have peace. He already promised me. Wow. In this life, my friends, we are going to face trouble. And aren't you glad that you don't got it? Aren't you glad you don't got it by yourself? There's one other thing that I want to talk about that we can count on. We can count on trouble. We can also count on temptation. As sure as I'm standing here, you can count on temptations coming your way. You see, they've come from the very beginning. The first temptation happened where? In Genesis, in the Garden of Eden. From the beginning, we have had temptation. It has been around as long as mankind has existed. It started in the Garden, and it has not stopped since. Well, here's the beautiful thing. God knows that, and God's provided a way for us to deal with our temptation as well. Just like he's provided for our times of trouble, he's provided a way for us to deal with our temptations. This is what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is what? Faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. Wow, you see, we're all going to face temptations. 
We serve such a great God that he provides a way out of it. He provides the escape hatch. We just have to learn to lean on Jesus in those times of temptation. That's the key. So what does that look like? What does that look like? How do, how do we endure it as the Apostle Paul says? What, how do we escape it? Well, at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus met Satan in the desert. And he was what? He was tempted. This is how Matthew 4, 1 puts it. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Flat out. If Jesus is going to be tempted, you can count on the fact that we're going to be tempted. Take it to the bank. Because remember, there is nothing that you and I go through that Jesus has not experienced. Nothing. And here's the thing. When Jesus was tempted, he didn't sit there and argue with Satan about it. He didn't, oh, what am I going to do? He did one very simple thing. He combated the situation. He dealt with his temptation by speaking the word of God over his situation each and every time three times. It says he was brought a temptation and in every single case, his answer was with the word of God. Amazing. So here's what I want you to understand when temptation comes your way and it's going to come. The word of God is your answer. The word of God is your answer. And here's why, here's what I want you to understand about temptation. Temptation always, and and I mean always, has a false promise attached to it. You see, actually, if, if if you go look at the three temptations that Satan put before Jesus, each of them, Satan promised Jesus something that was false every single time. So when you and I are tempted, you can understand there's probably going to be a false promise attached to it. That's probably why when Jesus' disciples said, will you teach us how to pray? Do you remember that? And if you haven't, go back. It's called the Lord's Prayer. We've probably said it a hundred times. But you know, part of that prayer says what? Jesus says, this is how we should pray. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Remember, Jesus never said anything that wasn't strategic, that wasn't important, that wasn't calculated in the very most loving way. Jesus knew we were going to deal with temptation. He himself had dealt with temptation and actually would deal with it again while he was here on earth. Jesus understood this concept. He wanted us to get it. God, part of your prayer, don't lead me into temptation. Help keep me away from it. And then when I, if I ever get there, deliver me from that place. Wow. When it comes to temptation, you don't got this. You don't got this. I don't got this. We need Jesus. He's the only way that we can withstand the temptations that come in this world. Giving temptation, when we give in to temptation, it brings always, always it brings evil of some kind, of some kind. This is why we need to lean on Jesus when we get tempted because, Axel, you can come. Jesus is truth. Jesus is truth. He doesn't make false promises. 
He doesn't say one thing and do another. He doesn't promise one thing and give another. What Jesus says is you can count on what I say. You can count on me. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. The devil will come tempt us with things that may bring momentary happiness or pleasure. And here's what he's going to do. He's going to promise you that doing that either is not going to hurt you, is no big deal, or is actually, he'll even disguise it as something that might be good for you. I mean, that's what he did with Eve, right? He basically was trying to promise Eve something that in her mind was going to be better than what God was offering. Remember, our enemy has no new tricks up his sleeve. None. None. Every temptation that Eve went through, every temptation that Jesus himself went through, are the same temptations you and I are still going through. What did Paul say? There's no temptation that you and I are going to have that's not already known. Okay, there's no new tricks in his bag. He's been trying this. Our enemy's been up to this from the beginning. Here's the thing. Here's the truth. This is why temptation is important that that we understand that we need Jesus to deal with it. Because every time we give in to temptation, our heart can grow a little bit colder toward God. Begin to build up kind of a callous. Remember, we preached about Ezekiel a few weeks back and how God had to give him a, a new heart because his heart had become hard. That's what can happen to us when we continually give in to temptation and we don't repent. Right? That's, that's a key. Remember, last week, God of second chances, okay? If you've given in to temptation, your life is not over, okay? But, but, but hear me now. We, had to, we have to understand what the process of temptation does to us, to our spirits, to our relationship with God, to our hearts. And very often, our, our enemy will, will not start off in the temptation with something overt, like, okay, go, you know, rob that convenience store, whatever, whatever, whatever sin you want to put up there. Most of the time, the temptation comes in small compromises. We give into one compromise, and then all of a sudden we're into the next one. Hey, I don't need to be at church today. They're not even going to miss me. So that turns into two Sundays, three Sundays. I've known people, I've seen them come in church one. I've, one Sunday, I've never seen them again, ever. I'm not saying church is the only, you know, temptation, or not coming to church is the only temptation that we ever face, but but the concept is the same. We, 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 we begin to compromise because we don't think it's a big deal. Ah, it's not that big deal. One, one little compromise can lead to a life of compromise if we're not careful. If we don't learn to lean on Jesus, if we don't learn to remember that on my own, I don't have this. I need Jesus. All of a sudden, we begin to care about the things of the world much more than we do about the things of God. My friends, that's sin. I, I, I can't put it any other, any other way. The Bible says that the world is an enemy to God. The world just means the thinking. 
and worldly thinking. That, that's what is the enemy of God. Because Jesus said in Matthew 6, that we ought to seek first the kingdom of God above all else. And then he'll take care of the other things. But you see, when we put other things in place of God, when we give a higher priority and preference in our life to anything that isn't putting God's kingdom first, we're sinning. It is what it is. Thank God we have a God of a second chance. Thank Thank God we have a God of mercy, of grace, whose mercy is new every morning. Jesus Christ died to give us the chance when we mess up, when we put something else in front of him. So there's repentance. There's an opportunity for us. There's a chance to make it right. But remember, the way out of temptation is always to lean on Jesus to listen to his Holy Spirit. Because now you see in John chapter 14, before Jesus left, he said, I'm going to leave you a helper that's going to help you in your temptation. It's going to help you in your times of trouble. We've mentioned it already. Let me just reemphasize. We have the Holy Spirit. When you are tempted, That same Holy Spirit that ministered to Jesus in the desert in his temptation will minister to you in yours. Same, hear me, same Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that showed up for Jesus in the desert will show up for you in your time of temptation. You simply have to ask. Jesus said the Holy Spirit's going to remind us of all truth. He's going to be with us when those temptations of the world come and he's going to help us withstand the attacks of our enemy. So there's two, two things you have to combat temptation. One is the word of God. That's your offensive weapon. That's, that's your club. You pull out when temptation comes, you speak to your enemy and say, no, that is not what God has for me. That's not what God says about me. But then the Holy Spirit gives you the boldness and strength to say it. He reminds you of those words. Because God's word is clear. There's going to be weapons formed against us. There's going to be temptations, things that our enemy wants to use to take us out. But God's word is clear. None of those weapons that are formed against us will ever be successful as long as we have Jesus, as long as we rely on the Holy Spirit, as long as we use the power of God's word to combat it. It says that his weapon, the enemy's weapon, will not be successful. And if you've given your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you. He's there to help you fight so that when those weapons are formed, they will not prosper against you. Friends, don't believe the lie that you've got this. As encouraging as that sounds, don't buy into it. Because Jesus says it's not true. We were never designed to have it. We were designed to receive from a Savior who will provide it. Come on. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, oh Lord, we love you so much. Thank you, God, that you truly have us. You have us, Father, in our times of happiness. You have us in our times of victory, but you also have us in our
our times of temptation. You have us in our times of trouble. You have us in our times of sadness. And God, we know that you actually have us in every circumstance that we will ever encounter in this life. God, help us to remember that apart from you, that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. Because you are the giver of all goodness. Your word says that everything that is good comes from you. And we thank you so much for that. And Father, we thank you lastly for sending your son to overcome our sin. Because on our own, we don't have this. We don't have this. But Jesus, by the power of the cross and by the power of his resurrection, gives us everything that we need. We thank you for that in the mighty name of Jesus Christ.